Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Windsor Film Club, the underground movie club focusing on the underseen, underappreciated, and downright weird films. My name is Madison Fairchild, and I'm here co-hosting Reina Cervantes. How are you doing, Reina? What up, what up, what up? <laughs> it's so exciting to be recording again. I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm a little bit too enthusiastic because, you know, I haven't really put this podcast mic to good use as of late. Oh my God. Yeah. No, we've been, we have been out of it, but thank you everyone for sticking around. We hope you liked the last episode of Late Night Windsor. We're kind of doing another late white night, late white night. Wow. Late night Windsor thing again today, but we're really excited for what we're talking about. We hope you like it too. Well, let's be honest with our listeners. This may very well be like the new format of the show, right? That's true. That's true. We are considering some changes and we're really excited about those two we think they're going to make the pod even better and we hope that you guys like the format of this episode because it'll let us know if we should keep doing it and and like if you don't like the pod i mean what the fuck ever we're gonna do what we're gonna do regardless <laughs> like shit i do not give a f- uh, and if you don't like it, leave. <laughs> yeah, the door, the door is over there. No, I'm kidding. For We're those totally of you that, joking. We love you all. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that are still here and didn't click off after that, um, you know, you know, life, life comes in waves, and sometimes you got to make some changes, whether it be good, whether it be bad. But you know, you got to try something, right? Yeah, and we really do love and appreciate feedback. If you want to DM us with your ideas or things you like, dislike, please DM me at least. I'm open for it. Um, We love to hear what you guys think, and we appreciate all of you. You guys should actually DM at Steph Koza with all complaints. (laughs) We're going to harass Steph because she's not here today. (laughs) Steph is enjoying Italy without us, so we're angry. Yeah, she's she's the complaint department right now. If you manage to send her a DM while she's still on vacation, you may win a prize. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So, you know, before we hop into like our movies for this week, for this late night edition of Windsor, um, I'm sure like our listeners are super curious. Um, What have you what have you been watching, Madison, or what have you been up to lately? I have been up to dying i moved and i got a new job you died i died i passed away oh no um a ghost (laughs) my letterbox looks like a graveyard right now there's nothing in there what have i been watching i've been watching um go on yeah yeah I've (laughs) i've been watching house of the dragon oh i haven't watched that yet is that good it I'm obsessed with it. Is it like I hear like I heard somebody like say it's better than Game of Thrones on the basis that like it's playing out like a trashy soap opera. It is. That's what I love about it. It is okay. so fun and dramatic. Uh, and if you guys want to hear me talk about that, you can watch Throne Watch on Cinemania World. No. Anyway, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. We don't pit, we don't promote anybody <laughs> else's pods on here. This is this is ours. No, we're kidding. We love Dwayne and the Cinemania crew. And um, I went to see The Mummy for the Super Yaki Alamo thing that they had in San Francisco, which was so cool. I got a picture with them. Did you say Super Yaki are sponsors? Our sponsors. We're going to do a little ad read in a second. But it was so nice to be able to like go up to them and like 
really meet them. I met them in Houston once, but mm-hmm. talked to them for a bit, watched The Mummy with a bunch of crazy fans. It was really awesome. Mm-hmm. I watched Rocky Horror last week, um, and I watched Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. So, like, of everything you've watched, what are, like, your top two picks of what you've watched recently? House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon being one. Wow, that good. And uh, The Mummy. I love The Mummy. I love The Mummy. The Mummy made me gay, so <laughs> I love the, the Mummy. The, the Mummy is good. And, like, you know, I love the folks at Super Yaki. I love Andrew. I love Brittany. I love Skylar. Like, the yeah. good crew. Good Julia time. is great. Yeah, the whole crew. Good movie. It was cool to see that those things had such a great turnout. Um, it was packed. It was so packed. And everyone got free bumper stickers. And mm-hmm. it was super cute. What have you been watching lately? Well, that's a weird segue because I'll, I'll write off of like that. You saw the mummy at Alamo Drafthouse, correct? Yes. Uh, I recently introduced their nationwide screenings for uh, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. So yeah. awesome. That yeah. is so cool. That was super cool because I was having people like all weekend send me photos of like me on the big screen talking about Halloween three, which was kind of wild because it's like they have locations in like San Francisco, New York, Texas, LA. Like it was just it was a cool opportunity to talk about one of my favorite series. Other than that, I've been kind of laying low, not watching too much. Like yes and no. I mostly watch stuff work related. Um, oh, stuff yeah. I'm writing yeah. about or like one of the few things I watched that wasn't work related was a uh, I went and saw Bar- Barbarian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes, the yes, new movie yes. some uh, Zach Kreger, um, which uh, for those of you that don't know, he was part of a sketch comedy group in uh, mid 2000s uh, called The Whitest Kids You Know. <laughs> I miss and, those days. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that he was a that he was the director of this movie and the writer. So I was instantly interested. And you know what? That movie is just a super well-made genre flick. Like it's got, I wouldn't say it's as bonkers as people say, Mm. but I think it understands the genre timing and performances so so well. Like there's like kind of a mid-level reveal in that movie that like I didn't think was bonkers, but I was like, holy shit, that's cool. I did not expect this movie to play out like this. So it was pretty great. I would say go in blind if you haven't seen it. Like, don't look up anything about it. Um, Which, have you seen it? Yes or no? Nope, but I'm very excited to see it. Oh, yeah. Don't don't look up anything on it. I know. I'm really trying to avoid everything. I am incredibly pumped for that movie. And I have been since it was announced. I just have had no time to do anything with my life so (laughs) this movie seemed to come out of nowhere because like the trailer like i think i think hollywood can learn a lesson from like how to do a trailer with this movie because like that trailer like fucking reveals nothing like not even the basic plot and that trailer is filled with like so many red herrings that i walked down i was like oh my god hey that's (laughs) how you do a trailer because that trailer don't mean nothing Um, i love it yeah, very good. Good performances all around. And, you know, I almost said good performance from an actor that was going to be a spoiler, but no. Oh, no. I won't say. Um, <laughs> cool shit. Cool movie. It's like it's going to be the movie that like I put on when I'm hanging out with a bunch of friends and drinking beers or like, yeah, that's going to be the group movie. It's like, hey, have you all seen Barbarian? And they're going to be like, no. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to rock your fucking world. That makes me even more excited. 
yeah, no, definitely, definitely watch it. Um, I guess you know what else is cool shit and a cool movie. Oh, sorry, no, keep going. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm curious to what you think is cool shit and a cool movie. <laughs> it was gonna be a joking transition. You keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't have a joking transition because we got an ad read coming up. Oh, you know who else is cool? Super yucky. No, I'm just kidding. What was the other movie you were gonna talk about? <laughs> No, no, no. That was it. Just Barbarian for me. Like, I just want to tell people to go see Barbarian oh. and, and go have fun with it. It's like it's like the equivalent to walking through a haunted house at a theme park. I love it. But you know who else we love? <laughs> this quick message from our sponsor. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy, to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And for our listeners, you can enter the code SUPERWINDSOR in all caps to receive 10% off your entire order. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's, Let's watch, watch more, more movies! movies. So, Reyna, now up? that we've talked about the movies we are excited we just saw, mm-hmm. what's another movie we're excited we just saw? Well, I guess this is about the time where I should introduce the, our movies of the week that we're covering for this episode or this. I this think l- you should. Late night shenanigans. Um, <laughs> we're covering the films X and Pearl made Ooh. by Ty West after his nine year hiatus from horror movies. X and Pearl are the first two installments of Ty West's X trilogy, both of which were released in 2022. X follows a group of aspiring filmmakers in the 1970s who decide to film a pornographic movie on a farm owned by an elderly couple. Unbeknownst to them, the owners of that farm are deranged serial killers. Pearl is a prequel film set during the Spanish influenza pandemic in 1918 and World War II that tells the story of Pearl one of the two killers from the first film, X, and her descent into madness. Both films star Mia Goth in the lead role, with her also receiving a screenwriting credit alongside Ty West for Pearl. And that's her first screenwriting and executive producing credit, right? Yeah. I think and it's I th- her first one. Yeah, and I think uh, it might be Kid Cudi's uh, first executive producer credit as well, because he's an executive producer on Pearl. That is wait, I didn't catch that. That is so cool. <laughs> it's cuz uh it's cuz he's he's credited in these movies under his his real name Scott Mescuddy. Oh my god. I you know what's so funny is I was watching the credits last night and I was like I know that name and I cannot place who that is. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Kid Cudi. That is so funny. So, just jumping right into it. Do you like these movies, Reina? Do do I like these movies? I mean, <laughs> I guess I got to be truly, truly honest with myself. Like, does it does it does it does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, do it. Do um, it. Yeah, do it. I found out I'm correcting myself. This is Kid Cudi's second credit as executive producer. 
His first was Malcolm and Marie, uh, the Sam Levinson what? film. Yeah, that's and crazy. Sam Levinson is also a producer on X and Pearl. That's not a surprise. At no, all. I didn't not. know it, but it's not a surprise. <laughs> um, so going back to the topic, do I like these movies? Um, currently, X is my favorite movie of 2022. And I say that without hesitation. And I liked Pearl a lot. So I guess you could go out on a limb and say X is is a movie I love very, very dearly. Yeah. I, so you like X more? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm like mm-hmm. one of like five people online that like liked. I want to say that I would like I liked X more. I would say it's up to personal preference at that point. Like for I me, that. Yeah. for me, X is the nine out of 10 and Pearl mm-hmm. is that eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like, do you like these movies and which one did you prefer? Yeah, I fucking adore these movies. I left Pearl last night like that was my favorite movie of 2022. And before that, X had been this entire time. It was a tie between X and the Batman for a while, but X was my favorite. And then I saw Pearl and little tangent. I grew up completely obsessed with Wizard of Oz. I rewatched it a ton as a kid and obsessed with horror and slasher movies. So this felt tone wise so perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just I absolutely loved Pearl and X. I love both of them. And I'm pretty sure that when Maxine comes out, that will be my new favorite movie. So yeah, love these movies so much. But yeah, so you think Pearl is like an eight out of 10 where X is a nine. Uh, What worked and what didn't work for you for that as a prequel? So as a prequel, I think it works perfectly. But I also think prequels are inherently flawed as films because they explain too much. Mm. Um, I also think it has a very different vibe from X. Um, yeah. Like Pearl is sleazy in like a different type of way that X is sleazy. And mm-hmm. um, for those of you that don't know, I'm a gore and sex hound in movies. The more gore, the more sex, the sleazier the movie is, the more I'm into it. And I think that's just chalked up to personal taste. And then I do think that prequels are inherently flawed because they reveal so much about certain aspects of previous movies that like part of the mystery is lost amongst stuff yeah yeah I personally I'm weird and I love gory movies and I love like sleazy movies and everything but what I liked about x was it's about porn but the sex didn't like make me feel a little sick to my tummy like sometimes like I'm watching Game of Thrones and I'm like eh, I don't want to see this I don't know why I'll watch someone get fucking disembodied and or like cut up I don't care but the second like boobies are out I'm like ooh, what's happening so x wasn't too much like I thought it was the perfect amount um I didn't think pearl had enough sex in it because pearl in x is a fucking old sex crazed lady who's trying to fuck everyone and pearl in pearl she's kind of chast now, she fucks a scarecrow, sure, but she's still kind of chast. <laughs> um, I, 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 th- I think we should say, like, before anyone conti- continues listening, there will be spoilers for X and Pearl in this podcast. Oh, yeah. This is a spoiler cast. Sorry, guys. We yeah, should probably would... title the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I usually don't need sex in movies, but I did feel like there wasn't enough of Pearl being promiscuous in this movie. See, I'm inclined to disagree because because it's her introduction to it, huh? Well, no, I'm inclined to disagree because it's just a different way of tackling it. Like 
there's like straight up like actual porn in this movie um in the stag films that that mm-hmm. they show at the movie theater mm-hmm. so like to the point that like i guess a24 started a website called pearlspeepshow.com where yeah. you can go yeah. on there and watch nothing but those stag movies so it is it is and it isn't sleazy in a way it's just not the typical 1970s sleaze well no i don't even mean the film isn't sleazy enough i meant pearl specifically was not getting late enough (laughs) because she tried to fuck everyone as like a 90 year old you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. i was like why is 20 20 year old pearl not popping that pussy I, I think 90 it, year old pure world. <laughs> well, I think what it was is that like she saw like she ultimately these films are about Pearl wanting, correct? Yes, that's um, true. That's true. So like she wants beauty. She wants fame. She wants the perfect life. And an ex where she sees these hot young women come and start recording these like pornographic acts. She's like, yep. hey, I want that life for myself. Like, why, like, she says, quote, like, why should you go around and yeah. get to flaunt it? So I think it's not necessarily that she was, like, sex crazed, like, even though she does fuck a scarecrow, like you said. Um, yeah. I think it's more of that, like, something inside her, like, gets triggered to, like, certain events. You know, you're correct. I changed my mind. She is just, she wants to feel wanted by the world. She wants to be famous. She wants her mom to love her. And the way that she feels wanted as an adult, a gr- old lady, is her husband can't have sex with her anymore. And she wants to be wanted like the young girls. So never mind. I changed my mind. I just thought we were going to see Pearl boning a bunch of guys and girls. I thought she was going to be bi, but whatever. <laughs> no, you have to watch X for that. And Maxine. Well, I mean, Pearl ain't going to be in that one. Oh, Sorry I guess that's not Pearl. That I meant you. Mia Goth. Yeah. Mia Goth. <laughs> well, it, Maxine's going to be in that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that one's going to go back to the sleaze because like for people that don't know, the the title is stylized like Maxine and in the middle are like three X's. Yeah. And it's like the 80s. She's just going to be like, yeah, the 80s, like Los Angeles and Los Angeles is known for like its porn industry. Exactly. So, yeah, I I thought it worked as a prequel. Um, I love prequels because I have no standards. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan. So I liked and we'll talk about some of the I don't want to say Easter eggs. That makes me sound like such a shit. But um, no connections, the connections and the visual similarities and differences. But overall, I thought it worked. Um, I did really like the tonal shift. Um, X is very dark. Uh, You kind of switch between is it Super 8 film? No. And regular film. I believe I believe the actual movie was shot on 35 and then the porno sequences were shot on 16 millimeter. Oh, 16. Um, okay. I cannot verify. I mean, I'll bring it up on IMDb right now. The yeah. technical specs, but I believe it's 35 and 16. Got it. Got it. But um, you eight, see eight, a- eight millimeter looks really bad when it's blown up. That's how you can always tell. For sure. For sure. Well, the porn scenes do look really bad. That's what made me think it was super eight. No, they don't. <laughs> They don't look. I just watched it today. They look old. They don't look bad. (laughs) I'm about to slam my fist down and say no. I'm kidding. I like the tonal shift between X and Pearl. X looks old. It looks run down. It's dark. It's kind of cloudier. Even on sunny days, it looks just kind of not overcast, but kind of gray, even when it's sunny. 
um, the benefits the house, of shooting on film, baby. Yeah, yeah. The house is all disgusting and the paint's mm-hmm. peeling. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Pearl is like a fucking Technicolor dream. It's like the most colors you can have. Very Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz-esque, like we mentioned before. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. it's in 1918, so the house is newer. Um, the costumes are brighter. It's just very, very different. And mm-hmm. it does such a good job at that. And it didn't feel jarring because obviously it was marketed in that way. But watching both films like back to back, seeing the difference is really interesting and really cool. Did you like the difference between those? I do like how like um, I do like how uh, they contrast to like different eras of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. So like X is this tribute to 1970s shot on 35 millimeter like film whereas like pearl is like the tribute to the three color technicolor strip like do you know the technicolor process a bit yeah well how like they took like three different films of like red blue and green i believe and Mm -hmm. overlaid them over each other to make the full color image that's why like some colors are more vibrant than others on technicolor yeah yeah um which is why you have like colors like red and white mm. that like stand out in pearl um, and they they utilize the costuming in a good way to really mm-hmm. make those colors pop and yeah it's just and it all and it and it almost uses stage lighting as as opposed yeah. to like film lighting yeah i do like how like ultimately at the end of the day those two movies are two like loving tributes to like the filmmaking like eras at the time which makes me excited for Maxine with like 1985 um, yeah. Los Angeles. And like you see in the teaser that they uploaded online from it. Um, and I actually heard Ty West mention this, that he wants that one to be a tribute to like the VHS home video era mm-hmm. of filmmaking. Which is so perfect. And I mean, when you look at the tonal differences in the two, we even see that in the way that like Pearl goes about her killing, like in, in Pearl, the killings happen in broad daylight and it's very bright and just fearless kind of. And then in X, it's more kind of in the shadows. Everything happens at night when people are all separated and it's like spookier in a horror movie way. Whereas Pearl, it's just like in your face, bright daytime. I, I don't know. I really liked how Pearl, the, the way that Pearl kills changes based on like the tone of the movie. But using like all the same weapons, which how did you feel about that? I loved seeing all the same exact weapons like being used for both. I thought that was so sick. It's cool seeing like the way they reused like the concepts and like gear from X, like Mm -hmm. right down to the same exact sets. Like Ty West had mentioned that his experience working in TV, he was like in TV, we reuse sets over and over to save budget. So part of the pitch to A24 of like doing Pearl back to back with X was that they paid for the sets for X. And he's like, listen, Mm -hmm. for this pitch, we would just need to redress the sets like they're already built, like let's reuse them. So essentially he had pitched like a movie that would be like as cheap as possible because it would be reusing a lot from the production of X. No, exactly. And they not only like use the set, reuse the sets, reuse the props, but I think what's so brilliant about having your two films come out in the same year is, I don't know, just the connections that you can make within the film. Like the scene um, 
the scene in Pearl where Pearl is um, in the barn with the like the bucket of milk and her little outfit. And it's like shot for shot, almost exactly the same as the, the farmer's daughter porn scene in X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the scene where Pearl in Pearl is fornicating with the scarecrow is like almost exactly the same as the sex scene between Maxine and Kid Cuddy. I forget his kid, Jackson. Um, that Pearl, yeah, the, that Pearl, old Pearl is like observing, but she had that like almost exact same sex scene with the scarecrow 50 years earlier. I just think it's so cool how Ty West like reuse, not reuse scenes, but like very clearly pointed at them. Like Maxine was recreating scenes from Pearl's life in porn. I think that's so interesting. Sorry. What were you going to say? <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, I definitely, I definitely feel like Ty West had this idea and it shares a lot of the same DNA. And that's why it works yeah. so well as a prequel when most prequels just like flat out, like are either bad or just don't work or reveal too much. Like despite my disdain for uh, <laughs> disdain for prequels, I feel like Pearl is like one of the few to like actually nail it. And like, even though I like don't like it nearly as much as X, I, mm-hmm. I, I got to give it kudos that it's like probably one of the best prequels. Yeah. You mentioned disdain. And I know that this is a topic that a lot of people are going to have hard mm-hmm. opinions on. How did mm-hmm. you feel about them using the Scarlet Fever or sorry, Spanish influenza? My bad, my bad. Mm-hmm. As like a COVID commentary. With the imagery of the masks and the keeping distance. So, and, I, yeah. so I felt it was really smart or like really, really mm-hmm. smart because um, mm-hmm. Ty West talked about how they shot this film in New Zealand because they shot it in, I want to say he shot it in 2020. Um, and it was like the height of the pandemic. They flew mm-hmm. all the way to New Zealand because it was like the only place in the world that you could even film a movie. Um, and they had to work with like a very small crew um, for, for X. Like he's like, it was like, he's, he's like probably smallest crew I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was smart that he said it in 1918 and was like, Oh, what was going on in the world at the time besides <laughs> world war one, the Spanish influenza. So in a weird way, it was almost like getting over that stopgap of like, okay, I need a little bit more extras and a little bit more people on Pearl. Yeah. But here, I'm going to write it into the story. That way they can be like masked and yeah, like I, social distanced. I completely agree. I know that I knew the second it started and they, I saw those masks, I was like, oh, this is going to be controversial because people are like, I don't want to be reminded of COVID in media. And it's like, fine. Okay. I thought that this whole commentary i mean obviously he was doing it for convenience but also the commentary of there's an anxiety that is driving pearl and her family insane they're cooped up in this house they can't really socialize because they're afraid because her father's already contracted it and it is driving pearl insane to be so alone and so have her family so stressed there the mom's like barking orders at her about her mask and her distancing and like we need to keep the family safe and I feel like that is such good commentary on just like the mental effects that like the pandemic I, has had I, go on I, what were you I gonna think, say 
I think it was Ty West's mental like state mm-hmm. at the time, because mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, when he flew over to New Zealand for to shoot X, um, their COVID protocol was so intense. It's like as soon as you're here, you're isolated in a hotel room for two weeks. So yeah. he was stuck in like one room for two weeks, nothing to do. And in his time there, that's where he brainstormed and wrote Pearl and pitched it to Mia Goth saying, would you be down for this? And I feel like a lot of that bled into the script of like, oh, Spanish influenza, Pearl and her family are like isolated from everyone else, mm-hmm. driving me insane. Uh, movie theaters are all but abandoned. Yeah, it's- I I love it. I think it was so creative and mm-hmm. it it... I don't want to say it wasn't in your face, but there's a way of it being in your face where it's bad. And this was not that. You know what I I mean? Yeah, I feel like this is like one of the first movies like like after the pandemic started that like really like kind of integrated it in a way that it didn't feel unnatural. Like it felt like, oh, like one, he wrote it into the story. It was a real life event. But two, it was like it was a great like way to get over that hurdle of like you need a mask up. Yeah. Yeah. So last thing I feel like we have to touch on before we get to more of our discussion. I loved that Maxine and Pearl's motivations were the same. What are your thoughts on that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just say that and not explain because I need to hear this. Okay. Maxine and Pearl's motivations are the Mm -hmm. same. They are both trying. They both escaped or are escaping from an overbearing parent, Pearl's Mm -hmm. mother and Maxine's uh, pastor father. They all they want is fame and love. And Maxine's whole motivation is I'm going to be a star. I'm a fucking star. And Pearl's is like the whole world's going to know my name. Everyone's going to know who I am. I'm going to be in the pictures. They both want to be in the pictures. And um, their whole driving force. I mean, Maxine doesn't become a serial killer, but their whole driving force is this need to be successful and to break free from overbearing family ties and both of them were introduced one to porn when porn wasn't a thing and the other is in like kind of the big boom of the porn industry I mean we see Pearl see it in a theater for the first time whereas by the 70s they're playing them in porn theaters like all over so they both will do anything for that driving motivation that is inside both of them and obviously they are the same person well, they're not the same person. They're the same actress, but um, no, they're I just like really. More like than you think. They're more like than you think. Like it's not just a visual thing. Ma- per- older Pearl doesn't just see Maxine and X and think, "Oh wow, she looks just like me." Like they have the same core values. They will like the "I will not accept a life I do not deserve" that Maxine keeps repeating. Not only is there is did you see the homeless guy holding that sign? Mm-hmm. The sandwich board sign that said that. Yeah, yeah. Um mm-hmm. love that. But yeah, they're they they deserve to get what they want. The whole world will know their name. Um they don't like feeling like people are judging them. We see that with Maxine and Lorraine when Lorraine keeps looking at her and she gets very agitated. And yeah, I mean, I just I really really liked. Also, I loved the, like the whole downfall of Pearl is she goes to her audition and they say we want someone with X factor. And then like the first time we see Maxine, she's being told you have that X factor. Like Maxine is what Pearl wanted to be so badly. And they're so similar at their core. Um, And I just really, 
that was what my point was. But what do you think? <laughs> no, I got I got nothing to add to that. I would I would say you're pretty much on point with it. Yeah. But you, you like that they did that with the character or did you think it was too on the nose? No, I liked it. I think everything is supposed to be on the nose in this. Like the best way to describe X is like, you know what you're getting when you go into that movie. No, for sure. For sure. Um, except for when I worked at the Alamo and a couple brought their 10 year old son to that movie or no, it was a girl. (laughs) They brought their 10 year old daughter to that movie, not knowing what it was about. And then they were begging for a refund. (laughs) It was so funny. They're like, we didn't know it was about porn. We just thought it was scary. It was so funny. So some people didn't know what they were getting into, but I digress. The Um, the poster is two cross legs. I mean, not at the Alamo. It was, was just it? Maxine with the two um, with, with the hatchet and like, the yeah, big red so they thought it was just the slasher film. Mm, um, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's funny. They obviously didn't see the trailer, but but yeah. So our little late night Windsor topic now that we've gotten through our thoughts on the movie is, you know, we cover cult films on this podcast. We started out with a lot of older cult films when we were first getting going and we wanted to discuss. Um, modern cult films and how we think X, Pearl, and Maxine, the X trilogy, is going to fit into the modern cult scene. Um, a lot of people get upset when you say that a movie that just came out this week, oh, that's that's a cult film. That's going to be a cult film because they think it's too soon to tell. But Raina and I have a lot of thoughts on why we do think it's a cult film. So yeah, in the 21st century, we've seen the induction of modern cult films um, that started back in the early 2000s. We had Ginger Snaps, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Room, Human Centipede, Jennifer's Body. And then we get later in the 2000s, we have American Mary, the first paranormal activity, not the whole series. Um, And even more recently, films like Malignant and Ready or Not are quickly hurtling towards cult status. People are very ready to consider those instant cult classics um so yeah i we both brought some points on why we think that they are it's a new cult trilogy but i wanted to start with some definitions because a lot of people don't know like what makes a cult film a cult film a lot of people think it has to be like the room or troll 2 just shitty and old and made with two dollars and a shoestring like (laughs) so I went reading. I wanted to know if these could fit into a cult film. And I read a bit of a cult cinema book by Mathis and Sexton. And the themes that they said made a cult film a cult film are typical people in atypical situations. I think that all the characters in X could be argued to be that, but especially Jenna Ortega's character, Lorraine, because she is not even in the porn industry and so she's thrown into not only a porn shoot but also a slasher house like that is the most typical person in an atypical situation um there is narcissistic audience identification with subverse characters if you went on twitter right now every bitch is like i am pearl (laughs) i identify with pearl and her emotions and she is very subversive like so viewers are taking themselves and projecting themselves onto a serial killer and i'm doing it too like i definitely saw myself in her final monologue in the film um another theme that they said is super common and needed in cult films is questioning traditional authority structures both films do this with pursuing sex in a time and place where it's deemed taboo going against the church like lorraine and maxine are 
sorry, Lorraine does and Maxine does in X and then Pearl wanting to leave her farm, her family home where her responsibility should be taking care of her parents. She doesn't want that. And the final one that they have is reflecting societal strange, uh, sorry, reflecting societal strains for when the movie was made. And we just discussed this, so I don't have to touch on it again, but the whole COVID scarlet fever or whatever it was called, Spanish influenza, that whole plot line is just reflecting a strain that we're having right now. And those were the four points that they said made a cult classic and X and Pearl hit all of them. So even if you're ignoring that, like, oh, it has to be low budget. You look at another A24 film this year, Everything Everywhere All at Once was 25 million. Another horror film this year, Scream, was 24 million, while X and Pearl were only a million dollars. So feels like a cult film to me. What about you, Reina? No, yeah, that pretty much defined it. I mean, and even if you are the type that it's like, oh, no, the movies need to be made for a shoestring budget. Just know that like A24 made both of these movies for less than two million dollars. Like, yeah, yeah, they got two movies out of it. So part of me thinks that's why they're going so all in on, on it. No, for sure. And do you agree with people, though, when they say like, oh, it's too like too soon to know if something is a cult classic. I I would agree with mm-hmm. that. But then mm-hmm. I remember when I saw X early at the new Beverly and like mm-hmm. how into the crowd it was like into it, the crowd was and whatnot. And then I was like, man, this is going to be a total fucking midnight movie. Yeah, no. And I agree with you. I typically feel like I'm a little judgy and um like, oh, how is it a cult classic? It came out this year. Mm-hmm. But I even if you don't want to admit that it is a cult classic, it is definitely hitting all the boxes to be one. And time will tell. We'll know in five years if this is a cult film, but we can project when we think something will be a cult film, especially like Raina and I are very passionate about this subject. So our opinion is that yeah, these are cult films. I, um, I think I think they're more primed to become cult films over something like Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, yeah. Which is $25 million to make. <laughs> like, yeah, like and we're very well beloved and made like a bunch of money at the box office. Like for sure. And didn't have very subversive themes like X and Pearl do. Like the average churchgoer could go to everything everywhere all at once. I feel like um, mm. there are like some sex jokes and stuff, but I don't mm. feel like they'd be too. Much. Okay. At least the church I grew up in, but the, yeah, the church average, you grew up in would be fine with the butt plug fight scene. Yeah. My dad would think wow. that's funny. He's a pastor. <laughs> wow, but um, okay. I stand correct. But I could not take my dad to X. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're very different. Oh, um, come on. I think your dad would find the scene with like Kid Cudi's penis like very funny. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I I know that cult podcasts tend to or people talking about cult films, they tend to only go for the old ones, especially in the 70s. But I think it's really interesting to dive into what we think will be the next cult film i mean jennifer's body is fully a cult film that was 2009 right mm-hmm. and it, it took a while it took a while for audiences the right audience to get it and love it very deeply but it got there and i think that x and pearl are well on their way 
to being midnight movies for sure. <laughs> like, I cannot wait to go to a midnight screening of these. I think it'll be perfect. I mean, shit, look, that double feature of X and Pearl at the new Beverly, like, sold out also. Yeah, already. yeah. Oh, this is such a new Bev movie, too. Like, you saw it at New Bev, so, of course, you mm -hmm. know that, but... So, I actually, yeah, I think I was at one of only two screenings that they ever showed X on 35mm. That is so awesome. I I miss spending my weekends there so badly. That is the one thing I miss about SoCal a lot, is spending my weekends at New Bev. <laughs> But yeah, do you have any final thoughts or anything like that? Uh, other than the fact that like the special effects were like done practically. Um, oh, Ty, yeah. West's, Ty West's uh, like special effects team was Weta, which for those of you that don't know, Weta was founded by Peter Jackson. They are the people who do special effects for Avatar. They were on break from Avatar because of COVID and he hired a bunch of them to do X and apparently they were fucking thrilled to do like gory kills and whatnot. That and is so awesome. They just had a blast making it. What what else? Um, Yeah, so he used the same crew. That's how that's how else he was able to save money. The woman who plays Pearl's mother is an actress by the name of Tandy Wright, and she was the intimacy coordinator on X. What? That's mm -hmm. so cool. What the yeah. fuck? Mm -hmm. Apparently really she. <laughs> yeah, apparently she learned German like really fast, too. <laughs> like wow. she didn't know German. She had to learn it. I just straight up thought that was a German actress. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. So that's crazy that like he was even using people that like weren't actors or actresses and, and stuff like this. I, I just think it, it is a tribute to like the mindset of like, if you want to make a movie, go out there and do it. The man mm -hmm. didn't make a horror movie for nine years, ever since like 2013's The Sacrament. And he hadn't made a movie since 2016 with A Valley of Violence. Um, so I feel like this was him kind of going back to the roots and kind of reminding himself of why he even does something like this in the first place. When I talked to him personally, I had a little one-on-one -on -one talk with him after I saw it at the New Beverly he was he was one. He was thrilled that people loved X, but Pearl mm -hmm. seemed like the movie he was very proud of. Like, Aww. like he was the one that was gushing about it to me. He's like, he's like, I cannot wait for people to see Pearl. Like, I have a feeling this one's going to blow people's socks off. That's so awesome. I love mm -hmm. that so much. Yeah, also, I forgot to mention uh, David Cornsweet has been the love of my life since the pandemic started. And um Shout out to him. I just had to give him a little shout out. <laughs> the crush on I have on that man is insane. And I was so happy to see him in this movie. But yeah, do you want to want to give us some more facts before we go? Yeah, sure. Just some stuff right off the top of my head. So the day after X premiered at South by Southwest, writer-director Ty Ruess revealed during pre-production for X, he had used his time during a mandatory lockdown to write Pearl, like I told y'all. <laughs> Fun fact, we did not get the Pearl teaser that they showed at South by Southwest because that was a digital DCP, digital cinema package that they used over there. And because mm -hmm. ours was 75 millimeter, like the Pearl trailer was like not printed on the film because oh, he was still shit. editing it at the time. So but so like he came out on stage and he's like, listen, we're doing a prequel. I can't show you guys because we're showing this one on film right now. Oh, my so God. That was cool. That's so awesome. Um, the name of the gas station in Minimart at the beginning of X 
is a direct reference to Ty West's movie The Innkeepers, which was set at the Yankee Peddler Inn. Good movie. I recommend that one to people who like Ty West films. To prepare for the tone of Pearl, director slash co-writer Ty West suggested that Mia Goth uh, watch Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and The Wizard of Oz. If you guys want to know more about the Pearl Wizard of Oz connections, you can find my piece over at Bloody Disgusting. I talk about every aspect it connects, like from the projectionist being a metaphor for the heartless Tin Man or uh, Pearl's sister-in-law being a metaphor for the cowardly lion and how she's afraid to tell her that she made the dance troupe. I knew she was the cowardly lion. I knew it. Sorry, I feel so vindicated. No, yeah, <laughs> she's even got like the golden locks. The curls. And, yeah. The curls. At the, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I just, I knew it. And I didn't want to say it in this in case I was wrong and dumb, but you're smart and you said it. So now I feel smart. <laughs> well, and then you also got, you also got uh, like the scene where Pearl's mother is like catches on fire and she throws water on her. It's like the scene in the Wizard the of Oz where they throw the water on the Wicked Witch of the yes. West. Yes, exactly. Okay. Per, I can't wait to read your article and feel vindicated. Or, or just going. like, just like all the all the scenes where she's like riding the bike into town, like straight up yes, mirror. Basket? Yeah, yeah, straight up mirror the shots of like Mrs. Gulch, like riding the bike with like Toto, and then of oh, course yeah. like obviously the scarecrow. But you have to like really look for like Tin Man and like Cowardly Lion like references. Um, people like try telling me the projectionist isn't, but the fact he's he's heartless. No, I thought I literally. Because when I was watching the movie, I was like, this feels exactly like Wizard of Oz. And as I said earlier, I was a diehard mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz fan as a kid. And mm-hmm. so in my head, I was like, this character is this, this character is this. Obviously, her mom, who she hates, is the Wicked Witch. Duh. Mm-hmm. And that is what I thought, too. I was like, he is heartless. Like, that is him. And also think about it like the Tin Man wants a heart right and it's the only character in the movie that pearl shares intimacy with yes i love it i i feel so good now (laughs) about Mm -hmm. that yeah oh yeah and then like like the farmhouse is like kind of drab like like it uses like a more muted color palette aside from like red and Mm -hmm. the town that she goes to is like a lot more colorful yeah so um there's another parallel there there's there's many many parallels like to the point that I was like, I have to write an essay about this. Um, did you uh, buy the shirt? I did. I bought one of the shirts from the drop. I bought the black shirt. I kind of was disappointed from the drop. Um, whereas the X drop that A24 did with online ceramics, I own like two shirts, the long sleeve and the hoodie from that one. Yeah, I got the um, I got the Wizard of Oz one. <laughs> I wanted that one, but I didn't like the front of it. That's fair. That was my least favorite part. But that backside... I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't pass it up. Besides, I already have the other white shirt that they did for X that had Kid Cudi laying pipe on the back of it. I have the um, I have the Jenna Ortega one and Mm -hmm. I have the um, when Screams of Ecstasy turn into Cries of Help one Mm -hmm. with Pearl and Maxine. Anyway, sorry. Continue with your facts. My bad. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. This is great. Um, But I was saying about Wizard of Oz. It was like one of the things that I think it is there. It is apparent, but I but I think there's more deeper connections that people don't inherently put together. Like at the end, she ends up at the house with Howie, right? Mm-hmm. It's laying into the idea. There's no place like home. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't end up going to Oz like the dance troupe is her Oz. And I guess the town as well. But no, no. The dance troupe leaving it. is the wizard 
getting away yes, in the balloon. You're so right. You're so right. But like, there's no place like home. She goes home and she stays there for the rest of her life until she's murdered on her front lawn. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, That's all. Also, I have to verify this, but I think the cow in the movie is the name of Dorothy's cow in the novel. Oh, there was <laughs> another that I know that I'm missing something from when I watched it that I was really excited for. And then but I was by myself, so I couldn't like lean over and whisper it to someone. And it was about Wizard of Oz and I'm forgetting mm-hmm. it now, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I'm sure you'll remember it and text me. Yeah. But yeah, lots of Wizard of Oz connections. Uh, great movie. There's more subtle connections to X Hidden in Pearl that I don't think people caught on. Like, I don't think people caught on to the homeless man with the sign that says, I will not mm-hmm. accept a life I do not deserve, which is mm-hmm. like Maxine's phrase in X. But also the use of the song Wee Wee Marie. So this song has a little bit of history. Um, This song was originally released in 1918. And it's about a soldier who falls in love with a French woman and he'll do anything to be with her. What's interesting is that it's the theme song to X. Um, (laughs) It was covered by Chelsea Wolfe over the credits. Um, And at the time I was like, oh, that song's from 1918. That song's about a soldier who falls in love with the girl and will do anything to be with her. Kind of like how he does, yeah. despite Pearl's, despite Pearl's obviously uh, mental illnesses, how he ultimately at the end of Pearl chooses to spend the rest of his life with her. And the song is reused again. The actual 1918 version is used at the start of Pearl when she's like going into town. So I felt the musical connections were interesting. Music and X and Pearl plays a big part mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. obviously the scene with like where landslide yeah with landslide where uh it's about phases in your life mm-hmm. like you're going through changes pearl is like going through changes she's not the woman she once was her life just kind of passed her by maxine is going through changes too standing up for herself getting what she wants out of life i definitely think these movies have a musical element to them that I don't want to say a lot of people don't pick up on. I know for a fact people don't really pick up on the Wee Wee Marie connections. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like the the song choices are very intentional in this film. Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely. And of course, there's like subtle shots in this movie of like Pearl walking up to the stage and there's an X mark or like where she stands up yeah. in the bar and where she stands up in the barn at the beginning with with the pitchfork up in the air. Her shadow is casting the letter X. Mm-hmm. just subtle stuff like that connected even more proving that these movies like share a one in the same dna regardless of how like drastically different the time periods are um i'll be interested to see what maxine really brings to the table on that front yeah and i mean these these films just feel like just such a labor of love from ty west in, in a way i have i feel like i haven't seen in a while where you can just tell how much the person that created it loves it um, while they're working on it. And there's so much like delicacy in putting the film together. And I, I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. love these movies so much. Um, I mean, very, very I mean, at the end of the day, they're tributes to filmmaking. Yeah, exactly. Like, like we all talk about how Quentin Tarantino likes movies that do tributes to various areas of filmmaking. But Ty West is doing the same with these movies. He yeah. did the the Technicolor Nightmare and the 1970s Sleaze movie, and he's going to do the VHS, VHS era <laughs> porno with Maxine. Oh, oh, we didn't even talk about 
one more thing to prove that it's a cult film is there's often drug abuse in cult films and there's drug abuse in both of these movies. So, oh, my God, Maxine, go. Maxine uses fucking cocaine like, like it's like <laughs> Maxine. Oh, yeah. Maxine uses cocaine like it's like Popeye spinach. Um, exactly. And then Pearl is just sipping on morphine all day <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, in her movie. Theater. You, you know what? I, I saw this movie with my mom and when Max and when Pearl is in the theater sipping on the morphine in the th- movie theater, I was like, wow, she's just like me. <laughs> it did look fun. I can't lie. Um, hey, just walk in with a bottle of NyQuil and in the next movie you watch <laughs> the NyQuil chicken that's on TikTok. Oh, my God. Do you want to plug anything, Raina, besides your new article? Yeah, you can find me and all my work at, at JFC Doomblade. I'm writing a lot for Bloody Disgusting, um, getting my presence up known there. Um, yeah, yeah. Follow me on socials. Uh, got a new podcast in the works with somebody special. They uh, suck. I hate I hate Raina's co-host. I, yeah, I admittedly, <laughs> admittedly, they do suck. And like... <laughs> They're fucking annoying and sometimes really <laughs> pathetic. Yeah. And they're, they um, just, yeah, they hate, they're they ass. hate comic books too. They're lying if they they're tell ass. you they like they're, them. they're a no, the no talent hack. Um, should we, should we announce it on here? Well, I mean, we already announced it on social. Why don't That's you go true. ahead and so let should, our listeners know? We can talk about it. So Raina and I have a podcast coming up called Batshit Podcast um, or at Batshit Pod on Twitter. And we're going to just talk about all things Batman because we always want to talk about Batman and we needed a, a creative outlet for that. So we, we promise it's going to be more frequent than Windsor as much as we hate to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Windsor, Windsor is definitely something we love. Um, but batshit pod is going to be kind of our, our main, I I'm no longer doing night sisters, which you guys have probably heard me promote on here endlessly. So we're going to kind of put our effort into this podcast. and We really hope you like it. And we're going to still do Windsor and we're still really excited about Windsor. But batshit is our thing we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, you know, it stemmed from a joke on Windsor. How we're like, man, every episode just ends up going right back to the fucking Robert Pattinson Batman. Everything goes back to Batman. So We're really pumped. We will have more information about that soon. And the episode will be coming out. The first episode will be coming out pretty soon after this episode airs. So look on our Twitter and you'll you'll see all about that. Um, My Twitter is at Mads Fairchild and you can find me there. I'm also podcasting with Cinemania World. Like I said earlier, I do Throne Watch, which is their weekly Game of Thrones podcast. And I'm here and I'm at Batshit Pod. So Find me there. We can talk about movies. <laughs> I mean, before you go, can you somehow connect uh, X and Pearl to Batman? Like six degrees yes. of separation? Wait, yes, yes, really? Yes. Go ahead. I can. Mia Goth uh-huh. dated Shia LaBeouf or uh-huh. was married to him. Uh-huh. And I think they're still together. I think they just had a kid. No, because they were together before he was with, um, before he abused, what's her name? Unless they got back together oh, again. Oh my God. I think I, I think I know exactly. I could do it in like two degrees of separation. Well, didn't Shia LaBeouf date um, Zoe Kravitz? No, Mia Goth dated Robert Pattinson, who played Batman. Oh, fuck me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me so mad. You're so right. 
I, I just remembered that photo of them wearing the sunglasses in yes. my head. And we I was like, for a while. yeah, they were together for like a hot minute. I think I need to verify that because I just no, really pulled that right off, right. right out of my mind. And if you want to hear us talk about our podcast and other things we like, you can follow us on Twitter at Windsor Film Club Pod and on Instagram at is it also Windsor Film Club Pod or is it Windsor Film Club Podcast? Pod. P-O-D. We always, we always abbreviate it. You're so right. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Windsor Film Club Pod. And now on Letterboxd, where we can harass your eyes with our favorite movies that you don't want to see. Uh- <laughs> many, many thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Super Yaki. Uh, be sure to use our 10% off code. Yes, which is... All capitals. Super Windsor. Super Windsor. We love you guys. We love Super Yaki. Uh, thank you guys for listening to us ramble on about these movies, and we will be back for Maxine. So, bye. <laughs>